haven't uh, figured it out yet. Uh, we are going to have baptism today, praise the Lord, and um, we're also going to have communion. It's it's the first Sunday of the month, and I can't think of uh, two things that we can do that are more appropriate for those who have committed ourselves to Christ than the the ordinances of baptism and communion. So I trust that uh, we're going to hear a testimony later from Josh, and Mike is going to be leading Josh in that, in the baptism. And uh, But I'm trusting that as you hear Josh's testimony, and as you consider your own walk with Christ, and you look back, if you have been baptized as a believer, have you held to your commitment that you made publicly back when you got baptized? It's a challenge. And of course, all of us fall short of the glory of God, and, and so that's why we, we have communion once a month, just to remind us of what Christ did, that he went to the cross for us, that his body was hung on that cross, that his blood was shed, and it gives us the privilege of then acknowledging that publicly. So I trust that um, you'll be reminded, refreshed. If you have never been baptized as a believer, get a hold of us because we'll, we'll pull this tank out here anytime. And uh, we, we, we'd love to do that and honor that. And it honors the Lord. I want you to understand something about baptism. Baptism is on the basis of forgiveness. It's on the basis of forgiveness of your sins. It's not the purpose of the forgiveness of your sins. We don't get baptized to be forgiven. We get baptized because we've been forgiven. And it's not the end of your forgiveness. It's just in transition to glory. In that we as as Christian, as people, as as we are, we need forgiveness 24-7. We need to live in that realm of forgiveness. So baptism is on the basis of the forgiveness of your sins. It's not the purpose. Please understand that. Um, it's a sign. It's a sign that uh, of your previous repentance. It said that repentance and your faith and your commitment to the Christian life. Baptism is a public statement. It says, I plan to live a holy, obedient life. That's, that is what I'm saying. That's what is gonna, we're going to witness today. A young man standing up and saying, I am committed. I am making a public statement. I have received Christ. I have believed in him. It is on that basis of my forgiveness that I enter into this commitment of baptism And I am planning and I am making a public statement that I choose and choosing to live in obedience to the Christian life. I want you to look at the text this morning. I'm going to look at several texts, but the text we always go to in baptism is Romans chapter 6. And Romans chapter 6 begins with the idea that where Paul writes, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? The idea sometimes is it's because we're forgiven, because Christ is so gracious, because he doesn't treat us as our sins deserve, 
that we can accept Christ and then we can live however we want. That is not true. And he says in verse 2, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? This, isn't a, this is an absolute death. It is like when we see in a, in a funeral service, you know, I, I don't like to touch a dead body. The first time I ever touched a dead body, it frightened me. It was so hard, rock hard. Because the spirit was no longer in that body. And what Paul is trying to say is, is that when we commit our lives to Christ, we're basically as dead as a dead body. A dead body is separated from the spirit. A spirit separated from the body. And when we give our lives to Christ and we say, Christ, you come and change me, he delivers us from all our old nature and, and uh, rises, raises us up into a new life. He says, he says here that, um, verse uh, 4, Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Remember a few weeks ago, I made a comment on that, should walk. And, and, we, and we talked about that... Uh, we know it says that we should, and we know we should, but I'm going to commit to saying I shall walk because of what Christ has done. You should walk. Yes, I should. Well, we can and we shall when we keep our focus on the Lord Jesus Christ and remind ourselves of the commitment that we made when we got baptized, when we gave our life to Christ, when we made a public commitment. And then I will walk. I shall because I should. He says, verse 5, For if we've been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. They couldn't even believe that Jesus rose from the dead. They still debate that. But he rose. Over 500 people saw him alive. And they stood and they watched him go into heaven. And we, have to, we receive that and accept that by faith. And just the same way that Christ rose from the dead, we live this new life. That's what this promise is of the Christian life. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, and that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. This is the word of God. So if we died, now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Likewise. Don't you love that? Likewise. That means me and you. That means this is what, this is what we can reckon. You also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. And don't present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as been alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. You are not under the law, but under grace. What shall we say then? Shall we sin? 
because we're not under law but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourself, slaves to obey, that you are that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. Baptism is a public statement. It is a plan and a commitment to live in holy obedience. We who die to sin are, going to live and are not going to live in it any longer. That is the commitment. I'm not going to live in it any longer. You know, when Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit led him into the desert. Desert place. Forty days he was there. You know who he was with? Satan. And Satan was tempting him. And Jesus' answer to Satan was always, it is written. That needs to be our answer to any temptation to sin. It is written. And what he said to, to Satan in Matthew 4.10, it is written. And this is the commitment. This is the baptismal commitment. This is the commitment as a Christian. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. That's what we're saying publicly. I am going to worship the Lord my God, and him only shall I serve. I'm not going to serve the old nature. I'm going to serve this new nature, this nature that Christ has given me. There was, there was a, man, a preacher, his name was John Brown. If you go in my office, i got a Bible. It's about this big. It's huge. John Brown's Bible. It's got commentary, some commentary in there. And I love to get that as far as scriptural references all over the Bible. He's just done a wonderful job. But he, in, in, in the area in Romans chapter 6, where he, and he was born in 1722, so that's like 300 years ago. <laughs> Age old scripture doesn't change. But he states these things about baptism. He says that when we commit to this baptism, he said, we should live in holy obedience to Christ, in holy obedience to him. And we only can do that with the power of the Holy Spirit. We can do nothing without the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to enable us to live in holy obedience. It's a continual commitment, living and breathing, breathing him, sucking him in and breathing him out. And he says this, we should live in holy obedience Everything from new principles in our life. Everything from new motives. Everything from new rules. Everything that leads to new ends, which is the praise and glory of God. 300 years ago he wrote that. It is as relevant today because it's scripturally based that when we come to Christ we live with new principles. New motives. New rules to guide us. And new ends. That's why in our church, in our church here, not just our church, but the church should be about making disciples. That's where our brother Mike has been meeting with Josh, right? And just taking him into Scripture, guiding Josh in Scripture, saying these are the new rules, these are the, the, these are the precepts, these are the principles, these are the things to be motivated by, these are the new ends to glorify God in all that you do, and then to help a person to be accountable to that. How are you doing? Not to be judgmental, 
but to be uplifting, to be prayerful, to be encouraging, to be standing by a brother because none of us are perfect. All of us fall short of the glory of God. New principles. When Peter preached that first sermon right after the resurrection of Christ, when the Holy Spirit had fallen on him, they call it Pentecost, and he stood up, and he was no longer that weak man that was hiding and denying that Jesus was, he was a follower of Jesus. Now he stood up in boldness and he preached about Christ. And as he got near the end of his message, people were listening and they said, in Acts 2.37, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. They were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do? He says, repent and be baptized in, the, in Christ Jesus and you'll receive the Holy Spirit. They knew, Peter knew, that the only way that a man is going to stand after he's committed to baptism, first of all, it needs a repentant heart, a heart that says, I'm no longer going to live this way, I'm going to live this way. And then we need the Holy Spirit to enable us and empower us. We must ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He ends up giving us a new heart. He, he, he changes his heart. He, he enables us. He, he gives us this want to live by new principles and new motives and new rules in order to glorify God. And Jesus began to, Jesus had already laid it out, some of these things that were to be done for the glory of God. I'll give you some of these things, some of these directions that, that the scriptures give us. One was Jesus said this in Matthew 5, 44. He says about loving people, he says, I say to you, love your enemies. Ah, that's a new principle, isn't it? That's a new motive. That's a new thing to be driven by. A new rule. Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. There's a new rule. I tell you what. <laughs> I'm sure there's times in your life you've had to look back at the time you jumped in that tank and you made that public commitment. And you said, I ain't doing this. <laughs> I'm not blessing that person that's persecuting me and, and that enemy of mine. Well, Jesus says, then check your change. Check if your heart's changed. Check if you were cut to the heart. I was talking to a gentleman the other day, and I was telling Josh and Mike this this morning. A, a, a salesperson came to the door, and they answered the door, and they got into a conversation about believing in Jesus. And, and the, the, the homeowner said, you know, uh, the Bible talks about being born again. And the salesperson said, no, I've, not, I've not heard that. I'd like to be born again. Well, you can be, can be. Well, how, what do I have to do? Well, you just ask Jesus into your heart. Oh, is it that simple? Yep, just ask Jesus into your heart. So right there they prayed and the person asked Jesus into their heart. Now, I do believe that God will cause that person to honor that prayer because we've had friends like that that just wanted to get the preacher out of their home and they prayed to receive Jesus. Honestly, I have a friend, Steve Barter his name is, and he, I've got permission to share that testimony. He, he prayed to receive Jesus to get Pastor John Bartle, an evangelist, out of his house. And God, and, and God kept him to that, convicted him of his prayer. 
And now Steve is a tremendous evangelist for Christ. So I'm not saying that that person, salesperson at the door is not saved. But what I saw in that is when Peter was preaching, they were cut to the heart. Something went deep in the heart of, 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 their, of their, those men. And 3,000 people were saved and got baptized that day. There's a difference between this simple prayer and being cut to the heart and having your principles changed and your motives changed and the direction of your life changed. That's when you're able to love your enemies, bless those that are cursing you, and doing good to those that hate you and praying for those that spitefully use you and persecute you. Jesus knew that. He knew. He, knew, he knows that you need him to do that. In Romans 12, 18, further along in this Romans letter, Paul writes, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Hmm, how many of us are successful at that? Titus 2.11 says this, for the, for the grace that brings salvation has appeared before all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. That's a new principle. When we make a public statement that I've accepted Jesus and I've asked him into my heart, I've been cut to the heart. And I'm asking to be filled with the Holy Spirit to live this life. And I see here I should live soberly and righteously and godly in the future. And I'm going to do it because with Christ's help I am going to do it. 1 Peter 2.24, this is just some text that I'm looking at here. It says, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. Why? That we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness. It's by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Right in there you see Peter's addressing people that came to Christ and wandered away. I did that. For like six years I wandered away. And then you start to see, boy, the only reason I even came to Christ, the only reason I have a relationship with Christ is because by his stripes that I've been healed. And he is so patient and so kind and so merciful to me. Repent, therefore, and be converted. Acts 3.19 says, repent, change your mind, turn around, that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. That's what happens when we come to Christ. Your sins are blotted out. They're gone. I know I've mentioned this in the time I've been here, but it was a little boy that came, came to his uh, dad, and, and this is years ago, this is really old, so... Uh, it's an old, an old story, but um, little boy was trying to understand about their sins being blotted out. And so the mom says, well, you know, this is in the days when they wrote with a, with, a, with a chalk on a slate, you know, on a black slate. And they were doing the new lesson that day, and the mom says, well, go get your slate. They got the slate, and of course, you know, they wiped it off from yesterday. Said, well, where's your, where's, your, where's your work from yesterday? She said, well, I, I blotted it out. It's not there from you. Well, that's, that's what God does. He blots out your sins. He wipes them. 
You're as white as snow. You're clean. You're done. It's done. It's forgiven. That's what Christ does. When you turn around and then you're converted, your sins are gone. You're as dead as the body in the coffin. Spiritually, your old life is gone. The new life comes in. You get up out of that place of death and you come into this new life with Christ. But then you need the church, you need the body of Christ, you need each other, you you need the word of God, you need the Holy Spirit. All of it works together for the glory of God to keep us full of God, serving God with the new motives, the new principles, the new rules, with a new end of doing everything to glorify God. So when we have baptism, that's what we're doing. We're making a public proclamation. Mike and I were talking yesterday about the Ethiopian eunuch that was going along in a carriage reading the word of God. He didn't understand it. And so Philip comes running along the chariot side of the charity. And he says, what are you trying? Well, I'm trying to read this word. I don't understand it. And Philip gets in there. He helps him read it. And, and then all of a sudden the eunuch says, hey, look, there's water. Look, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? What's going to hinder me from being baptized? I I understand this scripture you're just talking to me about. So then Philip says, well, if you believe with all your heart, you may. If you believe with all your heart, you may. So Mike and I were were talking yesterday. It's like, okay, well, we see people coming to Christ. We're praying about reaching our community. Uh, we're, we're, by the way, we ordered door hangers to go out to, as we prayer walk just to let people know we prayed for them to hang on their door. We're not going to rap on the door and, and, and do like John Bartleme did if, unless the Holy Spirit leads you to do it. But to put the door hanger on there, let people know that we prayed for them. Now I've lost my train of thought where I was going with this. What was I telling you, Mike? Huh? Yeah, the eunuch. Now I don't, still don't know where I was going with that. I got all excited about the door hangers, praise God. <laughs> Lord. It'll, it'll, it'll come to me, it'll come to me. That's what happens when you get a little older. So I'll just forget that right now. Oh, Lord, that's, that's, that's embarrassing. But anyway, so, oh, Father. Maybe I'm supposed to get into the text that uh, I'm seeing. Um, Oh, I know what I'm now. I know what's praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe I wasn't supposed to say it, Mike, but it did come back to me, so I will now. So we're talking about getting saved when people when we bring people to Christ, when people start coming in, and we, you know, it's going to change our church when 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 new faces come in here and new believers come in here, and we're going to have this tank. Praise the Lord! I pray that at least uh, every month we're going to be baptizing people. And uh, Mike says, "Well, you know we." You used to have a baptismal class, you know, and I, did, I said, I, I, don't, I don't see that in Scripture. I don't see a baptismal class. I, see the, I, see the, I, I do see the, the need to examine a person's heart. There's water. What hinders me from being baptized? There's your class. What's going to hinder me from being baptized? Well, do you believe? Do you believe with all your heart? If you believe with all your heart, you may. There's your class. There's your class. Do you believe with all your heart? You may. And then you're going to have discernment. Sometimes, you know, a person says, and they're not sure. 
Well, let's trust the Holy Spirit in that and that he will convict the person and he will talk to the person and say, remember that day? You remember that day? You went cut to the heart like I'm going to cut you the heart now. And when he cuts you the heart then, he restores you, he puts you back on your feet, and you're as good as to go and walk in your faith. Does that make any sense to you? Sometimes, you know, we don't, we, we, we don't quite know what it's all about. We think we should. We see it happening. So we do it because others have done it. But it hasn't actually really cut to our heart. Well, God is still gracious in that, and it's later that he cuts you to the heart. That's how God works, in my mind anyway. I think I see it in Scripture because of the many times, and when we come to communion, we'll understand that. But if anyone is in Christ, the Bible says, he is a new creation, and the old is gone, and the new has come. So before we go to baptism, after saying all that, there is a text that I wanted us to look at, and that's in Romans chapter 10. And this is, this is to check your heart today. This is for Josh as well. We've already talked to him. We believe he's made a serious commitment to Christ and that he, and he's already made a commitment to live by new principles and new rules, new guidance, all done with the graciousness of the Holy Spirit. But in Romans chapter 10, there is a verse at the very beginning because he's addressing Israel here, talking about Verse 1 in 10, it says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. Can we say that for our community? Can we say that for our loved ones, our lost ones? For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they've been ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. When we are cut to the heart by the Holy Spirit of God, we have a different sense of the righteousness of God. And we say, I want that. And it's not by the law, for Christ is the end of the law, for righteousness to everyone who believes. And then I want you to go down to verse 9. And look at 9 and 10, and this is the text for today. It says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You will be saved. Confession with your mouth, confessing with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. That is something we're looking for in, in a person that says, I am, want to commit to a relationship with Christ and I want to commit to a public baptism. And believing in your heart that God raised Christ from the dead. And then verse 10 when it says, for with the heart, with the heart, that word there with the heart is the center of your physical being It's your spirituality, it's your personality, it's your very center. 
when with the center of yourself, this spiritual center, you believe. That means put your trust, have faith, rely on, acknowledge. When you, with your heart, with your center, and you believe, you acknowledge, you trust, it moves you into the righteousness of God. He begins to fill you up and move toward you and says, now the, how, as deep as I've cut you, I'm now going to fill you. You will not be without. You will be with all that I have. That is happening in this process of salvation. And, and it's that the God has raised him from the dead that you're going to be saved because the same way he raised him from the dead, he is now changing you. For it's with the heart, it's with that center that one believes unto righteousness. And then with the mouth, confession is made, an oral confession. It's binding. That confession is binding. It's a public declaration. It establishes, in a sense, a legal relationship between you and the Lord. In one sense, that oral confession declares from your side salvation. And on God's side, it's what He's provided. Your confession leads you to salvation, and God's then provides your salvation. It's, it's like it seals you. It confirms the belief in your heart. That's what we do, and if we're able to confess it publicly, there is something that just gets more solid in our being. And that's where we're headed today. Now, the fact that we're, we're doing this publicly in this setting, we're not only doing that, we're actually recording this today. Now, in this modern technology, we can record it. Now, it, for my baptism, I was in a health club swimming pool. I could fit in this one here, too. But I was in a health club swimming pool, and I can remember it. I can remember the church standing around the pool. And I can remember me uh, committing my life to Christ, making a public declaration. Christ had cut me to the heart. It was when I'd rededicated my life after six years of wandering. And I rededicated my life and I was serious about Christ. And then I knew what I was talking about and I made a public confession. And I can picture it. And when I struggle and I have struggled, I go back to that. And I go back to these scriptures and I say it was binding and Christ has bound himself to me and only because of his graciousness and his mercy can I even look, him, look to him again because he said, I was just waiting for you to turn back to me. I know you. I know your frame. But here now, we, yeah, we, we're going to have videotaped. Josh, you will be able to look back and if you ever struggle, if you will struggle, because life is tough, I encourage you to put the tape on. It's not a tape anymore, it's online. But to take a look at it and listen to your testimony 
and listen to your confession. Listen to what came out of your mouth. Listen to how you were testifying of how Christ has cut you to the heart and how he's changed you and transformed you. Now he brought you to this place. And then remind the old devil. Remind the old devil that he's not going to have a place with you. And tell your, tell your own soul, I'm going to worship the Lord my God, and him only am I going to serve. Remember that. It'll give you strength. It'll give you strength. Mike, you're going to come up and you're going to introduce Josh. And uh, let me pray for you as you come. And um, you got a microphone? Father, in the name of Jesus, as we uh, witness now a dear brother, his own testimony from his own heart, Lord, it gives us a great pleasure, it's a great privilege to have our brother Josh and his dad here with him, Father, to baptize him in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So, Father, would you just lead this next section of our service here in Jesus' name, amen.